Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. It is so good to be with you today. My name is Lindsay Murphy, and I am the online campus pastor for the Valley Troy. And if this is your first Sunday, I am so glad you're here. We are in the second week of our new series called Shaped for a Purpose. Pastor Mark kicked us off by talking about spiritual gifts. And that often, while we don't realize it, we actually are exhibiting the gifts that God gave us. The things that drive us, that make us want to get up in the morning and do our jobs. And if we don't always feel that way, then you might be wondering, well, I'm not sure I have any gifts. You do. And hopefully you'll take some of those assessments we'll be posting on our social media so you can get down to the place where you realize that you do, in fact, have a gift from God. Well, I'm going to be talking about heart, but you might also hear me hear me say the word passion, because I think often our passions, well, they come from the heart. So as we dive in this morning into the Word of God and we think about what our heart has to say, I want you to think about things that you're also passionate about because there's a reason why you're passionate. Well, we can all think back to March 13th, 2020. Now, you know, I I know you're probably like, please, Lindsay, I don't want to talk any more about 2020. Is it like the absent year that nobody knows about? Well, no, you know, we all know about it. Well, March 13th, 2020 is when I realized that I was going to have to do homeschooling. Now, you probably realized this too and maybe hoped like I did it would just be a few weeks. Now, the funny part about this is that I was a high school English teacher for 15 years. I shouldn't have been nervous about teaching at my house, but teaching your own two children and teaching 159th graders is two very different things. But this turned into not just weeks, but then months, And then as the new school year was about to launch, I realized that we were going to be doing this maybe, this homeschool thing, for the long haul. And the Lord began to tug on my heart. Here, I had a skill for teaching. And my kids were going to be sitting in my house. But I was also really overwhelmed by it. And I tried to pray away that passion that was coming from my heart to help other moms and dads and grandmas and aunts and uncles like me who were going to be doing this online virtual school journey. But I couldn't pray it away. And I launched Lunchtime with Lindsay, an online group. It was really the first of the kind that I had ever done like this where it wasn't going to be about Bible verses or Bible challenges. It was just going to be everyday life in this virtual world. And I put myself out there, nervous, sweaty, put myself out there. And we ended up with 23 members. And we spent the school year sharing ideas, how to fix things on computers, ways to encourage one another. We actually laughed a lot together, and I'm pretty sure we probably cried a lot too. But along the way, the Lord showed me that the passion that was in my heart could be something I could share with people. So it starts to come down to, will you let your passion meet your faith and then produce for his kingdom? So that's my question for you this morning. Will you let your passion, the passion God puts on your heart, meet faith 
Because remember, I didn't think, what would anyone want to hear from me for? And then produce for his kingdom. So naturally, what stops us in this whole process is not knowing where to start. Right? I didn't really know where to start. Okay, great, I have an educational degree. Great, I've taught. But that doesn't mean I know virtual learning. So where do we start? How can I know if God is calling me to something? I get that question a lot, right? Okay, Lindsay, I have this passion, but how do I know God's going to use that? Well, here's a pattern that I stumbled on while I was preparing the, with the particular scripture we're going to look at. There has to be a concern. So you have a concern for people or for uh, groups of people or for a particular thing that's going on in our culture. There has to be information. You realize that there is this loads of information and you begin to learn. And then there has to be a, an identification with those whom you are concerned. Which means there has to be some sort of connection, some sort of reason or way that you would collide with that group of people. So we're going to watch these three things play out as we turn our Bibles to Nehemiah 1. And just for those of you who maybe are new to Bible, I actually read out of the New Living Translation, or NLT. So if you've got maybe a different version on your phone or in your lap this morning, that's where you might see some different language. So we're looking at Nehemiah 1 today. Nehemiah, of all those to rebuild Jerusalem, he represents the layman, the person who doesn't have a ton of authority, although you'll find that his position was really important, but he's ordinary by all realms of purpose here. He doesn't, he is in the political form because he is a cupbearer, but, and that is an important job if you know, right? They are supposed to test the things that come to the king, but he's not a priest and he's not a prophet. Essentially, what I'm trying to tell you is there's nothing extraordinary about Nehemiah. So often, when we get a passion that's laid on our heart, we discount ourselves because we think, well, I'm just ordinary. I'm just an everyday person. What possibly could I do? He represents you and me in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. In fact, the king and a priest failed in their attempts to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So God raises up Nehemiah. The ordinary. Sometimes we wait for people with authority to do what God is actually calling us to do. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're thinking, well, there's got to be somebody out there that has a lot more authority than me, and they'll do it. But the passion's on your heart. It may not be on theirs. So he may be asking you, while you don't have earthly authority, he says, but I've given you my authority. God says, I give you my authority. That's why you have a passion for it. So here's what happens in Nehemiah. Nehemiah already had a concern for his people. Remember our three things. He already had a concern for his people. And he happened to ask some people visiting who had returned from captivity and how, and how the Jews were doing, right? Here they were, they've come back, and he's wondering, how are they doing after coming out of captivity? We're in Nehemiah 1, 3. This is what his friends tell him. Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Well, that's terrible news. I mean, Nehemiah is heartbroken. I mean, how many times have you heard something on the news or read it on your news app or social media or even heard it firsthand, and your first response is like, wow, 
That's so bad. Wow, I'm so sorry to hear that. Or maybe you even put your little prayer emoji and be like, I'm praying for you. Only the problem is sometimes for some of us, me included, full transparency here, I move on to the next story, the next feed, the next prayer emoji, and I don't carry a whole lot of burden beyond the, wow, that's too bad. Now, the thing is, is that sometimes there's a stirring in our heart when we see that. There becomes this place where passion starts to build because maybe you've heard that story too many times. And now the, wow, that's too bad, means a lot more to you in that moment. Here's what Nehemiah does. This just shows how passionate he was for his people. In Nehemiah 1.4, here is his response. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. See, when we come into relationship with Jesus, through his saving grace and our faith, we come into a cooperative relationship. In this relationship, you'll begin to find what once gave you no pause, eh, no big deal, now gives you a really big pause. What once didn't hurt at all, it's just another thing on your feed, hurts a whole lot. Why? Well, you have Jesus' heart now. In fact, if you take a minute and reflect what you thought didn't give you pause or what didn't hurt actually did, you just became distracted. We all do. We get distracted by the next story or the next thing. In fact, much of our society is set up to distract us and move us to the next thing. But see, he Nehemiah can't move on. Notice what he does here. He sat down. He wept. He mourned. He fasts. And he prays. What we find as we look at Nehemiah is a reliance on God through prayer. It becomes as natural as breathing for him. Truthfully, it's a relationship with Jesus that causes us to acknowledge the things that are around us that are broken and need to be mended. We now get to play a role in that mending process. It isn't about going out and fixing the problem, which is usually where you and I kind of quit because we think, I'm so little, how could I possibly fix the problem? But rather we lean in as Nehemiah did to see what the passions are and how the Lord may be wanting to use those passions to do something. I was thinking about this, right? Nehemiah, let's just put Nehemiah in 2021. He could have sent flowers, written a card, sent a nice text saying, thinking about you. But instead, the key to their disgrace was the wall. So why not rebuild the wall? And sometimes we let ourselves off the hook in our distress by doing the minimal actions required for ourselves. But with a heart like Jesus, it's now about what is required for others. How could I take, I see that this person is mourning and hurting. Maybe it is a card. Maybe it's stopping by with a meal. Whatever it may be, though, it becomes an action step. For what you are passionate about, will drive the force of Jesus' love into the environment where he is leading. So then what does Nehemiah do? 
he turns to the Lord in prayer. Nehemiah 1.5 O Lord, God of heaven, the awesome and great God, who keeps his covenant with, of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. In a different version, the New King, New King James Version, I'll get it out there, it says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. I thought about that, an ear being attentive and our eyes open. Well, that's what a passion or a heart does. It turns an attentive eye and an attentive ear to what is happening around us. See, sometimes we can think God has both of those closed, his eyes and his ears. He does not hear or see what's happening. Oh, but he does. This is the cooperative relationship working. He sees so you can see. He hears so you can hear. As I continued to study Nehemiah, and I would challenge you, just read the book. It's a short one. You're going to find a few characteristics in Nehemiah that help us see how to take the passions of our heart and make them actionable. Nehemiah is a careful planner. Now hear me, he's a careful planner, but he's not a delayed planner. Now you know who you are. Some of you out there, you got really great plans, but when it comes time to do them, you're like, mm, I don't think I want to do that today. Mm, I don't think I'm going to go through with that, okay? So he's a careful planner, but he's not a delayed planner. Sometimes we make plans uh, that we don't always actually plan on executing. It just felt really good to make the plan. The delay that you might see if you read through Nehemiah is really prayer. He's making sure that what the Lord has given him to do or the burden on his heart is truly God's. You see, sometimes we start off giving God praise for bringing us into this place to help. And then we forget and start taking on all the pressures for ourselves, which gets us to sometimes abandon our passions. The second thing Nehemiah that I realized Nehemiah did, he faced opposition in his call to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. And I'm convinced that because he and God work cooperatively the entire time, he has the strategies to face the opposition. See, just because we have a passion that lands on our heart doesn't mean we're not going to face the challenge. When we enter into the entire cooperative relationship through prayer, then that passion in our heart meets the opposition, fully seeing the vision that God has for us out ahead. So what are we supposed to do about all this, right? How does Nehemiah help us move forward with the passions in our heart? Well, friends, we have a choice. We can respond like Nehemiah, Jesus, what would you have me do, right? That's what Nehemiah does in his prayer. Or we can bury our heads and ignore the tug. Usually it's because we don't think we're, we think we're too small or insignificant to try to give and we give up before we even start. Guess what? When God gets the glory is when people reach beyond what he or she is capable of. See, Nehemiah went and did what he wanted to do for these people because he knew God would get all the glory. And when we have a passion on our heart that drives us to help other people, God gets all the glory. It is the difference between God using us to do the work and me using God 
to do the work. See, if I had trusted my instincts way back when, in March 13th, 2020, and figured I have nothing to offer, I'm a hot mess here in my house, people are going to think I'm crazy. They're going to say, oh, she never should have been a teacher. Look at her. Remember, see, sometimes the enemy likes to lie to us when we get a passion to do something. Then I never would have started that group. And do you know that that group became a mom's group that I also never thought I'd be able to do? And that group had 60 members in it by the time we launched. See, sometimes God lays a passion on our heart and he gives us a tiny task. And if great faith, we step into that task, we'll realize that the way that he's leading us is much bigger and wider than we ever anticipated. See, when we stretch ourselves, darkness no longer has any power. All those lies that you keep telling yourself that, yeah, I'm passionate about it, but who will listen to me? Well, that has no power anymore. This is truly setting people free in Jesus' name because you're bringing the difficulties, the heartache, the brokenness, and letting Jesus be the healer. How exciting is that? We get to be partners in this heart business. Do you know the Apostle Paul tells us this, and I'm going to end with this last piece here. In Philippians 2, verse 13, he says that for God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. See, the result of our salvation is an outpouring of obedience. It should be a desire to demonstrate the fullness of what he's done for you and me through what we do. Whether it be an action or a word, let it be because you want to please the one who saved you. So, Will your passion meet faith and produce for his kingdom? Will you cooperate with Jesus today and take the first step toward his heart for people? So here's the deal, friends. I have a seven-day challenge for you. Will you pray for the next seven days for God to show you a passion for his people that's significant to you? It's about you. It's about the gifts God has given you and how God would want to use your gifts for his people. I wrote the prayer this way, but you can pray too. Be specific in your prayer, just as Nehemiah was. Do you know that at the end of Nehemiah's prayer, in verse 11, he says this, Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. That's how specific he was. So here's my prayer for you. God, what is breaking your heart today? And allow it to break mine so that I can respond. Give me the next actionable step, God, because you don't break something without a plan to mend it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's so true. There are so many things that are broken in this world. You didn't have a hand in the breaking, but you definitely want a hand in the mending. And so, Lord, I thank you that you choose us to be those hands and feet. Lord, you've given every single person a gift. A gift to be used for your kingdom. And it rests inside of our heart. Lord, whatever passions we have, help us see how they are kingdom fit. And then, Lord... Man, just put a spotlight in those places in our life where you are sending us 
to those broken places to be the ones who partner in the mending. We pray this all in your precious holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.